This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by our friends at One Nation Coffee because they pick up your 6 a.m. I love it. Their owner, John Richards, is the real deal. We're big fans of what they're doing from all that they do on the front lines to the front porch. They have your back with the highest quality coffee available, roasted to orders in sizes that fit your life. Veteran owned and operated. They're all about making and creating a product and giving back. What else we love? They've got the One Nation Foundation, so they're partnering up to help service organizations. They're dedicated to veterans, first responders, and servicemen and women across our communities. You hit up their website, onenationcoffee.com, and use the code PUT6, the number six, PUT6. Save 10% off today, just like that. Our guest today was a kid in and out of some trouble growing up in St. Louis. He had a decision, head to the Navy, or Johnny Law was a coming. Needless to say, he made the right decision, which resulted in a 47-year career as a Navy SEAL. He was the last Vietnam SEAL on active duty. He's Master Chief Kirby Harrell, and I'm honored to welcome him to this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Master Chief, how are you, sir? Just fine, Brian. And Brian, thank you for having me, and I would like to thank all of your all of your constituents um, for listening up today and learning a little bit more about not only myself, but about our nonprofit organization, Saved in America, which rescues kids from human trafficking, runaways, and bring them back to their parents at no cost to the parents. Incredibly important work, sir. You've been doing uh, incredibly important work for a long time. Excited to get to know you, for our, our listeners to get to hear from you and talk about what you're doing in Saved in America. Sir, can I take just like two minutes of personal privilege off the top because I have an update for our listeners. Absolutely. Kind of like a breaking news update, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So we're in the late 90s. We're like episode 98 now on our show. We launched back in February 2001. You guys will remember, and sir, you'll love this as well. Episode 11, we got to meet my friend Lowell Coppert, who's a Green Beret from Aiken County, South Carolina. Aiken County's got a ton of veterans, like 20,000 veterans across this one county in small town, South Carolina. And they had a Vietnam veterans memorial that had been built and placed in the county years and years ago. And unfortunately, when they built it and placed it, it ended up just in kind of a rough area and it was hard to get to and it was unsafe to view it. And it really wasn't paying tribute to the 36 veterans names who were etched on that stone for eternity, those who gave their lives in Vietnam. And Lowell and the local community sought to move that monument to a more prominent part of town, right, where people could see it and experience it. But because it was a state registered monument, it took state law to move it. They couldn't just pick it up and move it. And so he's been on like a year and a half, almost two year journey to get this thing done. And we've got great news. Remember all the way back to episode 11, we met Lowell. He was hiking 53 miles with uh, retired Navy SEAL Ray Cash to the state capitol, try to get that thing moved. Well, they did it. It just was moved last week. Uh, so we've got great news. They officially signed it into law. They officially moved it. And Lowell and the local folks are going to rededicate it on Memorial Day. So it's 36 names from Vietnam that were killed in combat from Macon County, South Carolina. I just want to update our listeners because they've been kind of along the journey with us throughout the last year tracking it. And it's incredibly great news to, to hear that those 36 are going to end up in a more prominent part of town where folks can go see and honor them, which is pretty cool. So want to That's let you guys know about that. We're excited. Yeah, it's pretty great, huh? That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, Lowell deserves a lot of credit. It's a hard-charging dude, uh, founder of 56 Brave, another company that we love. And so tip of the cap to those guys, to him specifically, to the folks in the area uh, for who, who just have been so dedicated, and to you guys for praying for us, for listening to the episodes, for sharing it, for signing petitions. 
uh, got the thing done. So, so that's great. All right, Master Chief, let's and get I to think, know you. I think the, uh, you know, the big point right here is that one person can make a difference. That's right. yes, sir. You know, that's the whole thing. He, Lowell got going, he got his energy moving and got everybody on board and got something accomplished. And that, that is the American way. Yes, so sir. that's something I just want to point out to all your listeners is that, you know, it, do, it doesn't take a whole herd of people to get something mm-hmm. done. One person can spark that, that drive and get it accomplished. And that's the important thing. And that's the important thing about America. So that's right. we it's have a great, a, wonderful, right. it's a great reminder. wonderful country that we low, that we grow up in, that our yeah. children grow up in. And we have to stop all these other wokeness people and all these other things that are going on that, that create no positivity to our country at all. Yes, sir. Here, here. Who you to that? And uh, congratulations to those guys. No surprise. Green Beret got something done. No surprise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That's right. All right. So right. you're growing up in Missouri. Uh, you moved to St. Louis in high school. Yeah. And you like to have some fun, right? You like to race yep. some cars. Uh, you like you like to kind of flirt with the. With well, the law. you know, I I what happened? you know I, well I when I was going to high school, you know, in the old days we would have uh, COE, which was you would go to school in the morning and and learn about English and math and all that kind of stuff, and then they'd cut you loose at noon to go to work, especially mm-hmm. if you worked in, uh, had a poor family and you needed the money to work. Well, I did that. And I worked at County Speed Shop, which was on St. Charles Rock Road. And I would leave school every day and, and go down there at, um, I had a 50, uh, or uh, yeah, 56 fit Chevy panel truck, I called super truck. And oh, yeah. I'd drive it down there. And, you know, I'd build cars all day, right? So then I decided that I needed to build a race car. So I built a 55 Chevy race car that would go really, really fast. <laughs> and and I would take it down to the river bottoms. And that's where we had raced for extra cash, you know, in the evenings. And so I did that for a number of years and got caught way too many times. That's when Johnny Law showed up in my thing. And the judge looked at me and said, uh, young man, I have some choices for you. Mm. And uh, that was that was in 67. And he goes, I'm going to, you made the choice to go to the Navy. Now you go to the Navy and here's my telephone number. And in those days, you could enlist in one day. You could yeah. go down and sure. get enlisted in one day because the Vietnam War was on and and they needed bodies. So I went down and enlisted one day. The recruiter called the judge, says, yes, he's leaving to go to the Navy. Jumped on an airplane, my first airplane flight through to San Diego. You know, what left a snowstorm, got to San Diego. It was 75 degrees at 10 o'clock at night. I said, I'm never leaving. So <laughs> and you're still there today, was, right? That was <laughs> that was the start of it, of it all. And then I... Uh, you know, my first go around was I had to go on a ship. So I was, mm. uh, I was an engine man, a BT guy. So I worked in the, so you didn't the go straight. You didn't go straight from like, Oh no. You know, in basic training, days, no. right. Boot camp in the buds or anything like that. You had to do a little bit first. Yeah. That started after I got into the teams because you, originally you had to go to the fleet and to get your education in the Navy. And then once you got your education in the Navy, you knew how, how ships ran and how the Navy ran and all that kind of stuff. Then you could volunteer to go into these special operation, you know, uh, programs. And so I did that when I was in, um, in the Philippines, I went down, enrolled in it, took my screening test there in the Philippines, but I was still on the ship. And then when I got back here to San Diego, I was supposed to roll off of the ship. Well, the, 
the lieutenant that was in charge of my department wanted me to stay in the department because I was a handy guy and could get mm -hmm. things fixed. But so he never pushed my chit up. So I was after a number of events on the ship, I became the engineer for the captain's gig and, and the captain and I became pretty good buddies. So when I didn't get my orders to buds, I went and saw the captain, the captain rooted out the problem, which was this Lieutenant and gave me my orders like two days before training started. Right. No pre rep, no nothing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. man, you're getting into it. And, and I basically got into it. So the class started, class 49 started, we started with 275 guys. There were 22 of us that graduated, right? So it was, a, that's a story all by itself, man. But it was, a, it's the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. And the young men that graduate today uh, will tell you exactly the same thing. We're getting ready to go June 24th, I think, we're having the graduation of class 349. So 300 wow. classes. 300 more since, yeah. Yeah, which is dynamite, which mm -hmm. is dynamite. I'm as thankful as I can be. And there's one thing that I'm I'm really proud of, and, and NSW should be really proud of it, is that we saw these young men do Hell Week, and their Hell Week was absolutely no different than our Hell Week was. So it was brutal. You know, they were all just clawing for every inch of ground after Hell Week. And it was it was amazing. It was an amazing thing. And, you know, that's one of the amazing things that we have in Spec War is we have so many great, wonderful people that mm -hmm. and team guys that you work with. One of the questions you ask is about the pickup of the, of my six. So yeah, I never had yeah. to worry about that. I was a point man, my whole career. Mm -hmm. I was the first guy in the doors, down the ladders, up on the ship decks and everything else. But I always knew that I had quite capable people coming behind me to take care of my six. So it was, it was fun. It was a, uh, it was a joyous career. I loved it. Uh, and I wish I would have never gotten old. That was the problem. <laughs> that was the problem. I don't understand that. All the time's undefeated, <laughs> yeah. sir, isn't he? Yeah, All that's right. That's right. So I, I'm actually waiting for that pill you can take and go back mm -hmm. to 35. That's what mm -hmm. I'm waiting for. A little, bit, little Ben Button action. I, yeah. That's hey, exactly. so you're you're a kid growing up in the Midwest. Like, there's not a lot of oceans, not a lot of not a oh. lot of ocean activity. I I get the feeling that you saw a lot of things for the first time when you shipped out. I mean, you experienced all these things. Oh. Yeah. to the coast, right? Getting in the ocean, like having to deal with all this. So just what was that shock to the system like in, in <laughs> all that in? Well, there's a huge story behind that, right? So yeah, I'm this guy coming into class 49 and I've got several surfers and, you know, all kinds of water people that are there. I was an okay swimmer. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a great swimmer. Once I put fins on, I just didn't know how powerful they were because I'd never had them on before. Sure. Right. So the first ocean swim we're we're going on in the class, and this is when there's like 200 guys, I'm trying to dive over the top of the waves to get out through the surf. Right. Yeah. And, and my buddy who was a surfer, I'll never forget it. He looks at it, looks at me and goes, hey, Kirby, you got to dive underneath of the waves to get out. And I went, what? what? Dive underneath the waves? That's crazy. Right. So that was my that was my first go around to surf. What do, what do you do with surf? You dive underneath of it and then you go. And then swimming saltwater, which I'd never swam before. I swam in the Mississippi River and in lakes and all those kind of things. But swimming in saltwater, 
uh, you know, your eyes burn like fire mm-hmm. if you get, if you get the salt in them, right? Yeah, that was that was a whole nother. That's a thing. lesson learned the hard way. Oh my God, a huge lesson learned. Well, we had, and I'll tell you what what came of that was my um, my swim buddy who was his name was Wayne. He mm-hmm. was uh, was a black guy, and him and I were the best swim buddies, but we would always get too far apart. So, uh, Mr. Oliveira, one of our instructors gave us this hauser line to wear. That's the lines they use to tie up ships. He put nooses around each end and put them over our necks just so we as swim buddies didn't get too far apart. Mm. So we had to wear that hauser line everywhere we went during training. It was was the start of something that they still do today. So that was an amazing thing about trying to swim in the ocean uh, when you come from a river and lake kind of uh you know environment <laughs> water doesn't move it there. was like oh my god yeah. and and the and the water's colder than crap anyway but you learned very soon that every time you got into it you'd always tell yourself the water's toasty warm man it's toasty warm so did you, did you know early in the process did you have a confidence like i'm getting through this i'm making it through this this is it for me like there's no quitting is never an oh, option yeah. Totally, totally and completely. I mean, every day, every day, ever, every event was the thing. That's what we tell all the young kids today. Mm. You have to do an event at a time, because if you think the day is going to come, it's the day's too long for you. There's so many events that you have to do an evolution. You finish that evolution, you go next to the next evolution. You don't try to conquer the whole day at one time. You try to conquer it one one evolution at a time and that's the only way why well, i was able to get through and that's the only way many people are able to get through yep all right so you're going through all this this is it was 1967 68 kind of time yeah. frame vietnam is on until <laughs> the break oh. of dawn at this point right. how much are you tracking that and then what's your path to actually get in country and get downrange and get, get some action well, we, you know, uh, like I said, you know, we, the training came first. So our focus was totally on the training. Once we got through training, then we had to go through, we had, it's like an SQT kind of thing. That's what they call it today. We call it something else, but it was the, like the pre-training to go to Vietnam. And we were trained by all the Vietnam veterans. So we went through that. We got into our platoons. Yeah. Mine was Foxtrot. And then we got ready to go. Everybody was there. I was point man of the first squad. And we had all the rest of the, uh, all the rest of the guys in the platoon. Well, we got ready to go to Vietnam. We go to the airport and get on this um, C-47, which is not the fastest plane in the world, right? So we had multiple stops to get there. Those were the days of the box lunch. So you would get a box lunch and, and it had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it, had an apple in it, a carton of milk. And, and that was it. That was the box lunch. So you flew from your square (laughs) meal for the day. That's right. That was that's it. the that's how the warrior was fueled in 1968. That's right. That's right. And it, oh, and it got worse. It got worse when we got in Vietnam. I'm sure. About that. I'm sure. So, so we got there on this plane, landed in uh, in Saigon, uh, went over to the um, the hooch where we got all acquainted mm-hmm. with uh, with Vietnam, and then myself and another um, person took off and went down to Bentui. Bentui was kind of like where the the seals had their operational base we call it the f uh, forward operating base so we landed there 
we got briefed up on what parts of the country we were going to go to and everything else. Well, Admiral Zumwalt had just pulled a bunch of barges up the San Kulan River. They called a place called Sea Float. And that's where we were going. He said, you guys get down there and just start kicking ass and taking names. Mm -hmm. So we had um, we had a platoon down at Sea Float that we relieved, but they'd only been there for like 30 days. So we flew in to Sea Float and um, and looked at the operations and the way they were going. Um, then our, our sister platoon, we went on a break in op. We made contact the first night on a break in op. So then we all came back to sea float. We kind of tapped them on, on the, slapped them on the ass and said, okay, man, you guys are out of here. We're here. So we brought the rest of the platoon in and just started operating every night. And we would operate. We did over a hundred operations in South Vietnam, um, chasing the bad guys. We shut down the whole operation there, which was, which was fantastic. A Fox Rock platoon, we were so busy that we had to have other platoons come down to assist us because there was so much going on mm. down there. Um, the, the Viet Cong were trying to blow the sea float out of the water. So they'd have zappers that swam down the river every night with a line tied between um, demo charges. The line would wrap around our anchor chain and the charges would come floating into sea float. And we'd have to shoot the charges out. I killed a zapper over there one night that got underneath the barge. I killed him with two hand grenades disappeared underneath the barge for like seven days. And then we got back off an of op early in the morning and this guy floats up right next to our hooch mm. with this, uh, this 75 pound charge on his back. We had to tow him over to the bank and blow him in place. It was unreal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so the, a lot of actions went on at sea float. There was things going on all the time, but the, um, but that was, that was the good part of Vietnam, but it, it was every day. It was a go, 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 go. You never got a down period, right? Yeah. We would come back, come back from ops, hang our guns on our racks, jump in bed, dirty, filthy. You just had to sleep because you were just wore out. And it, down there in, in South Vietnam, the tidal change was like 14 feet. So when you would insert, you know, on a, uh, on a bank, when you extracted, you would have to slide down a 14 foot mud bank to get back to the boat. So it was, it was pretty wild. And there's hellacious ops that we did, you know, in there was wild. I, uh, yeah. Many times, many, many times we would have operations where we would almost run out of bullets and you better, that's where all that running came from and buds. So you'd be going, let's get the hell out of here. You gotta get out of there. Right. Oh yeah. It was wild. It well, was you're, wild. you're, you're, you're engaged in a combat unlike anything our fighting force had ever really been tasked with oh, yeah. having to do before, right? Like it's, it's just a whole new world over there. And I think part of it too, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you guys are trying to probably have to figure some of this out as you went and collect a little bit of data point here and figure oh, out what, you know, yeah. where, where you went from there. Are there, I know there are, there are tons, right? Tons of memories, a lot of good, a lot oh, of bad. Yeah. It, it was there, are, are there, is there a moment that sticks out to you or, or is there one of those moments where, where you were in a fight like that and you were out of bullets and you were just like, I, I don't know if we're getting out of this. I mean, where it was really hairy that you'd want to tell us about. Well, I think the, I think one of the ones that is really cool to talk about is one of the Phoenix ops. I did, mm -hmm. I did it with a, uh, with one other guy yeah, and seals operated over there a lot with two guys. And we took some KCS 
guys with us. We took two KCS guys, which were kids Carson scouts and the kid Carson scouts were, were like, they were like our agents that okay. we had had captured. They'd turned and come over to the American side. They, they were VC guys us. that came over. To VC help guys. You're right. So we took them with two sampans and went in to do a snatch that were, that was like 10 clicks deep in the enemy territory one night. And Leon was in one sampan. I was in the other sampan and we're paddling down these canals, getting back to this village where this kingpin lived. Right. We found it. We pulled our sampans up on the bank, right by his hooch, went in, snatched them out of the hooch, knocked them out, snatched them, stuck them in the bottom of the sampan, and we're paddling back out, right? We're paddling back out because the current's with us. You know, it's kind of it's kind of an ebb current because that's one of the things you had to watch all the time was how the ebb and the flow of this 14-foot tidal change, right? So we're going back out, and the uh, and we hear people coming in, so we have to slide to the side of the canal, right? Total darkness. Yeah. Nobody can see anything else. And so they slide by, they slide by it. But one of them touched my stoner, the barrel of my stoner. So I had to eliminate him at a moment's notice. We eliminated that whole thing and we kept going. So we were fortunate. God was with us. Uh, we got that guy out of there and we made it back to camp, which we had great intel off of snatching this guy and it benefited a lot of American forces that were there. I think there's so that, a reason why I know, you know, I, I consume a lot of, um, uh, of other podcasts and listen to folks like, you know, Jocko and just so many other guys. And, and I think there's a reason why those guys, right. Th this generation of warfighter of seals who did it in the desert and in Iraq and in right. the mountains of Afghanistan, I think there's a reason why they obviously revere and respect you guys so much because of just stories like that, the conditions with which you had to operate, the size of the teams with which you had to operate. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it, there, there, there's so many differences. I know there's a lot of similarities in the way that you guys operate and the tactics. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, right, and the, there's just something to that. The, um, and as I told all the students and everything, when I was back on during desert storm, desert shield and all that kind of stuff in Vietnam, it was a five meter war. We, you know, we were shooting and taking people down at five meters and less. And the, at the desert war, it's a 400 meter war, four to 600 meter war. So it's completely different. You know, what weapons they have today. That's the reason why we um, in, at Naval Special Warfare went from a 5.56 five, round to a 7.62 round. Now we're going to a five a six, five Creedmoor, which is even a better round because you need that distance and the accuracy of that distance because of the way the war is fought today different. Mm -hmm. So those are one of the things that, you know, makes the two wars uh, completely stand out from one another. And that's, and I think that is why the people today, because they don't get to see the face of war right up close all the time. Now there's tons of, of operations where there have been in current wars, where there have been really close contact fighting, right? Mosul was a whole nother thing when they went into Mosul. Mosul was a was, I mean, it was it was five meters all the time because yeah. they were just plowing through there. So those those are the kind of things that made it different, but made it the same. So that's kind of what one of the things I wanted to get out to you and yeah. out to your listeners. So those are the two differences between the wars. Vietnam, we still had the same ideas, the same philosophy, same kind of characters. 
and I tell this to people all the time, is the faces are different in the SEAL teams today, but the characters and the hearts are the same, right? So they have the same beliefs we had years and years ago. It's just that the faces are different. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, And it's that heart that let every nation know whether they wish us well or ill, that we'll pay any price, right? What President Kennedy said, for the freedom and success of liberty. That's right. Bear any burden. Yeah. And I'm kind of butchering a little bit. I'm close. I'm close on almost, I can't do the whole thing, but it's that point, right? (laughs) The point is we'll pay any price. We'll bear any burden for the the survival and the success of liberty. That's the heart, right? That's the heart that you've seen over 47 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. President Kennedy, greatest Democrat I ever knew. (laughs) Catholic too. (laughs) Yes, sir. And they should have, that should be the bar that they all have to match. Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think today's modern Democrat Party uh, would not have much room for him, which is that's, sad. Yeah, sad yeah, there's say, not too that's many. That's the way it goes nah. sometimes. <laughs> well, that's just the way it is. But we're and not a political show, you know. But that's all, right. That's right. That's, we're just adding comment. We're yes, just sir. adding comment. So it's all and, good. Yes. Yeah. And then and then this slipped out. And in 2014, you know, I got off active duty. Mm-hmm marvelous career. Thank the good Lord every day that I was able to stay healthy um, and keep pushing forward. And then when I got off, a good friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, listen, I, I want you to get involved in this saved in America thing. Yeah, and I, yeah. I said, well, why, you know, what does it do and all that kind of stuff? And he goes, it's about human trafficking in America. I said, no, there's not. I said, other countries, I've been in Africa, I've been in all yeah. the Soviet Union, everything else. I said, they, we don't have that kind of problem that other countries do, especially Mexico and coming across the border and things like that. He goes, oh, yes, we do. So um, uh, Amy Carter wrote a white paper uh, she was at USD. She wrote a white paper. I read the white paper. Uh, magnificent, magnificent job she did. And I said, well, we, we've got to go out and see what's if this is true. So we did our research and we went out to a kind of a rave, which everybody in the country knows about. It's a rave mm-hmm. um, that here in San Diego is down a Pacific Coast Highway and the Russians were running it. And they, a lot of young girls were coming into this rave with older guys. So we sent one of our guys in with a pair of glasses that did recordings and all that kind of stuff and found all this stuff that was going on inside this rave to these underage kids. And so we brought that back, gave it to the San Diego PD, was unbelievable. I mean, that's kind of what opened the can Mm -hmm. for all of us and made us realize that this was happening, that we, San Diego, because it's a drug corridor, because it has the ability to, to do any type of trafficking with the drugs. That's what made us so, are so involved in it. When Southern California, we have over 3000 children that, you know, are involved in this on an annual basis, according to Amy's report. And it, and it's true. So that's why I got involved with Saved in America. And I and I would like all of your listeners to go to savedinamerica.org, which is our website. And it will tell you the entire story about Saved in America. We started in 2014 when I got off of active duty. We have saved over 280 kids 
and brought them back to their parents, not only from trafficking, but runaways, you know, and, and those kind of things that are involved. I mean, it's a whole host and there's no, uh, there's no difference between families and, and they, where they're at. I mean, it's rich families have the problem. Middle, middle income families have the problem and poor families have the problems. So, and it's happening all over the country. So we've broadened our net with having uh, private investigators that work for us and volunteer their time. There's other NGOs out there mm-hmm. that, you know, that donate their time and efforts to us. I mean, we're, we're a nation of people that care and, and we have to care about our children because if we don't care about our children, we have no nation. It's that simple, right? Um, we've, <laughs> you know, we've got to take care of our kids and every parent it has a, a job to do to take care of those kids, whether sometimes you got to be a little bit more stern to them than, than you need to be but they have to get the message. And we are putting together now um, programs for middle schools. And there's a lot of NGOs out there that have programs for middle schools that talk about child trafficking. Mm -hmm. Our city attorney here in San Diego, who's just the best woman I know, she does a wonderful, wonderful job of getting these programs in the middle school and making efforts about child trafficking and talking about child trafficking. People making kids aware that this is out there, how to look for it, what mm-hmm. the red flags are. That's what's important to, to them because you can't have a bunch of old guys and old gals going and talking to kids about human trafficking. You've got to have the kids talking to the kids. And that's where these programs are so beneficial because it comes in at their level. Right. So that's, that's one of the things that we've been doing and trying to spread, you know, saved in America across the nation. We've done a pretty good job of it. We are philanthropic. Mm-hmm. Um, people support us that way. Uh, and I urge everybody to go to our website, donate on our website. If you want to volunteer to be part of saved in America, there's a volunteer button on the website. If you come from the special operations background, law enforcement background, or if you're an IT whiz that mm-hmm. you just need something to do, we use these guys all the time to find children all over America. Incredible. So, Listen to this impact so far, 260 child recoveries. They've yeah. got over a hundred volunteers. They've got almost 50,000 volunteer hours, just doing incredible work. It, it breaks your heart. What are some of those red flags, right? So if folks are listening and they're like, okay, well, let me go to savedinamerica.org and help support, make a financial contribution, guys, please do that. What else can we be looking for out there? Well, it's, as, I think as a parent, you know, if your children are coming home with expensive gifts, are there, are they spending too much time away? Uh, are there kind of an introvert and they don't have friends and stuff like that. That's what these guys look for to befriend these type of people. Right. And, um, and if your kids come home from school and they have new purses and different things, those are the kind of things that make you or should make you aware that something is not quite right. Right. And if they're spending too much time on the weekends, going to weekends, a lot of these, a lot of these pimps and stuff like that, leave the, um, leave the obligation of taking care of the child up to the parent because they just get them out of the house on the weekends. They sell them on the weekends and then they come back to, to the home 
you know, on Sunday night and, and go to school. So it's something that the parents have to be aware of. These guys are very smart. Uh, they're very, um, what do I want to say? I call they're them savvy, human. right? They've Kevin, got, yeah, they've very got savvy. Of, they're probably leveraging technology, social media, all these ways to manipulate these kids. Absolutely. absolutely you're absolutely right. Yeah. Brian. And that, and so that is something that they have to be aware of with technology, technology, it makes things happen so fast that it's unreal. Right. Yeah. So that's the whole thing is that we just have to, we have as, as parents and as grandparents, we have to make ourselves as savvy as we possibly can just to stay in line. It's not, you know, and you feel sorry for it because parents today have so many balls that they have to juggle to create, you know, a, a beneficial life for them and for their family. And here you've got these, these criminals coming in trying to steal their daughters and their sons Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, you know, this is something that you can help me make money for. Right. Cause he's got a a full-time pimp will make $300,000 a year with traffic girls. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when he's finished with them, he drops them off on the street corner and guess whose problem they become the parents and societies. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. And here in California, we don't have really good laws to help these kids get rehabilitated. A lot of NGOs, we have to move them out of state so that they can have the time in these rehabilitation facilities to come back to reality. Because these guys, they, what, what I hate about it and what I talk about all the time is you're stealing these kids' innocence. You sure are. They are stealing the kids' innocence, back, and it's the worst thing ever. And now, you know, I just, I just read an article the other day that Disney's trying, trying to do the same thing. You know, I mean, the Disney, the Disney thing is like unbelievable. We, we all grew up with Disney. I yep. mean, it was, yep. it was for kids. It had no ulterior motives right so that's one of the things i hate i hate to see and i hate to see our society going in that direction because it's just you know it's the media talking about this very small segment of society and focusing on them and saying oh this is the way all the rest of us should go it's not the way i mean you have to keep christ in your life You've got to keep the good things in your life yes, and everybody and every parent knows the difference between good and bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like that. And if you have any doubts, go talk to your grandparents because right. you can't get too much stuff by grandma. Grandma will tell you <laughs> right sniff out. You out. She'll yes, sniff you out real yes. quick. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yep. So there's no smoke screens. That's the whole yep. thing. So that's the direction that, that, that our country needs to go and get away from these one, you know, these onesie twosies are these small groups of people with big mouths talking about how they're going to make the world better, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like socialism. I mean, there's a big thing with Black Lives Matter, socialism. Socialism hasn't worked for hundreds of years. Everybody's tried to start it. Everybody's tried to make it work. It's not going to work. And everybody comes back around the horn like Bernie Sanders and goes, socialism's where it's at. It doesn't work doesn't work. You can't take money away from a hardworking guy and give it to somebody that's a bum and expect that system to work. It's not going to work. Yep. Give them opportunity, give them opportunity and let them, let them work and go make it happen. And And you you know know, what I, what I'm, what I'm coming around to not coming around to just 
the, the more that I hear, like you, you had a 47 year career, you went back after retiring and helped more. You continue to stay in the fight through an organization yeah. like saved in America. You follow somebody like Tim Kennedy, who's put it on the line, who's now starting schools and starting these sheepdog response team. Cause he wants people to be empowered, to be able to protect themselves and defend their community. Guys, if these guys are saying it, they know they've seen it up close yeah. and personal. We should probably listen to them. As, as to what their advice is for how we continue to move this, the greatest nation that's ever been placed on the earth, divinely touched by the creator, I believe, the United States of America. Yeah. And let's continue to drive it forward. And I think we do that by remembering all you guys have done before we go. And again, the website savedinamerica.org. You've seen the military and special operators from 1967 to 2022. Right? It's yeah. a long span. You've been, you've been intimately close to it a lot longer than a lot of other people have, you know, careers are not yeah. as long as yours. Um, and sometimes we're feeling down about where we're at or we're divided. What do you see out there? Uh, well, you know, I see, I see promise every day. I mean, you know, I, from going to, cause I'm a grandpa. So I get to watch the kids do soccer and I mm -hmm. get to watch the kids play baseball and volleyball and all those kind of things. I'm inspired every day because our nation gives them the opportunity to do that, right? In freedom, everybody, you know, and it's not cluttered by all the rest of this stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a woke person or I'm, I'm a person that wants to be a, 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 a sex that doesn't exist. Or I want to go back and forth between when, mm -hmm. or I don't know what bathroom to go use. What kind of, what kind of crap is that? Right. So that's what, that's what I see. But I see a lot of people that love Christ. I see a lot of people that reach for him in, in different ways. And that's fine. You know, I think our religious part of our, our nation is right on track. Mm -hmm. I think people are still doing what they what they need to do, and I think religion help helps immensely teaching us right from wrong. Right I have a fundamental that. belief, and this is you guys know this about me. And this, hey, what's your ideology? America didn't create religious liberty. That's right. Religious liberty created America. That's right. It created our country. Yeah. Right? We didn't come here and create it. <laughs> it brought us here. <laughs> it's what brought us here. Religious liberty created America. Uh, I agree. And I, can't with that. Take, I can't take credit for coining that uh, Governor Jindal uh, when he was running for president. I had the distinct honor of getting to spend a lot of time with him um, in the early days of his campaign. And he would say that quite a bit. And I thought, I think that's exactly right. I think yeah. that's exactly right. I think you're spot on. So I, I agree with I agree with you 100 percent with that, you know. Yeah. So, yes, it is. It is. And, and it's given us the the freedom to do whatever we want to do. I mean, you know, people are coming to this country every day for the freedoms we have, right? And it seems like to me that people at the top are trying to take that freedom away from us every day. They, you know, they go, hey, listen, come, let us support you. And paying money to people for doing nothing, right? Well, that's not America. If you want something, you work for it. It's that simple. Yeah. And we give you the opportunity and to, to do that type of work and, and feel good about yourself. I know people that don't work, they don't feel good about themselves. Maybe for the first week they do. But 
you know, I've worked my whole life and I well, will I mean, listen to the to guy who's that. talking. He's been working nonstop. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and I feel accomplishment every sure. day. Sure. So that's, that is an important thing to have as a human being, mm-hmm. not just, a, you know, anybody else, a human being, you need to make, a, you need to accomplish something every day. So get up. I do my push-ups every morning when I get up. Right. So if you if you think you need something to do, get your ass out of bed and do some push-ups. Yep. Right. Let that be the first thing you do. Just get That's going. Right. Get yeah, moving. Yeah. Get moving. I, I stole it from our friend Dom Rosso uh, over Lent. Woke up the very first thing every day, 33 push-ups right out the gate. Oh, that's it. And I man. traditionally routinely do that through getting up and working out every morning, anyways. But even before I left the house for the workout, we were 33 oh, yeah. deep because we got oh. up and knocked them out. Well, it's you know, it it that is as your first accomplishment. Like one no, of my day, man. Like one of my teammates would say, get up and make your bed. Yeah. Well, it's I'm I say get up and do your push-ups. It's that simple. Right. It. No matter, no matter whether you're a college student, no matter yeah. whether you're a parent, no matter whether you're a grandparent, whatever, or a kid, just get up, do a stretch and do yeah. your pushups. Maybe you can only do five. Maybe you can do 10. Maybe you can do yeah. four. Get up and get moving. That's right. That's, Man, that's, I that's just, this is, I'm, I could, I could do this with you all day. I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> we could do this all day. I told you I wasn't going to keep you on as long as Jocko did, but I right. love that conversation. That was episode 193, guys, on the Jocko podcast where uh, Master Chief Harrell was on there. It was a great conversation. We've just been so thrilled to, to make this work and get a chance to talk to you and to hear about Saved in America. Absolutely. It's incredible Absolutely. work you're doing here, and, and I want to make sure our listeners get a chance to go support that. The website, savedinamerica.org. We'll chat a little bit when we get done about maybe other ways we can help out as well on that Good. front. And so we've just been so grateful for your time today. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you for having me. And, and thanks for all your listeners putting up with me. So that's the whole thing. <laughs> oh, they've loved it. Uh, as right, we man. always say to our veterans on here, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you continue to do. And to our Vietnam veterans, are welcome home. Thank you so much. Hey, man. Thank you. I did that when I retired and uh, I brought all the Vietnam vets with me and, and welcomed them home. It was a, it was a different welcoming home. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vietnam's vets got prior to what the, uh, yes, what sir. our current vets get when they come home. So. That's why we always say it. Yep. Yes, All right. He is Master Chief Kirby Harrell, the man that has never stopped and will never stop. Grateful for you. Thanks for the conversation today. He's Master Chief Kirby Harrell. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Pie. Brian, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon.